Hey, we are so glad that you joined us today and are going to be part of our worship experience uh, here at North Point Community Church in DeWitt, Michigan. Uh, thanks, thanks so much for being here. We would love to know that you're here today. So if you can, uh, if you have the North Point app, if you can go to the Let's Connect tab and just let us know that you're there uh, as we jump into the service, that would be great. If you don't have the North Point app, send a text to 94090 that says Guest NCC. And uh, we'll send you a link. You can uh, fill that out. And, and that's a great way to find out about what's going on at church, uh, what's going on at North Point, and a great way for us to be able to stay in touch with you. So uh, if you do that, that would be outstanding. Hey, uh, we're going to be talking today about uh, the word Emmanuel. It's Christmas, Christmas Sunday, and uh, what a great thing to be talking about the, the idea that, that God is with us. We're going to get there in just a second. Before we do, I want to just uh, encourage you, challenge you to, uh, to give a gift back to God through the church. Uh, what an incredible way to recognize how much God loves us. You can do that electronically by, by uh, sending a text to 77977 that says NCC Give. And uh, we'll again send you a link and you can give electronically that way or you can send a check to the church. That, that would be great as well. Hey, this week, today, tonight is the time that Christmas in Coronaville really kicks off. Uh, we're we're going to have this drive through light experience that's just going to be incredible. We hope that after you watch the service, if you're watching later in the day, that you'll plan on coming tonight between 6 and 9 or Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week to experience that. If you're one of the first 500 cars that come through, you're going to get a gift that will tie into our Christmas Eve service. It's a virtual Christmas Eve service, and there are gifts inside the gift that, uh, that you can open up that will go along with the talks that are part of, of that service. It's going to be really, really great. So we hope you'll be here tonight for Christmas in Coronaville. Um, also want to just encourage you at Christmas time as you're thinking about uh, extra things to do to give a gift that's going to go completely outside of North Point. It'll make a difference here in our community and around the world. Uh, if you give a gift that's marked Christmas offering, it's going to go to one of, uh, it's going to be equally divided between three places. The Greater Lansing Food Bank, which will impact the food pantries that are here in our area in DeWitt and St. John's. Uh, it will uh, go to Habitat for Humanity to make a difference for, for people who are trying to find affordable housing and uh, impact them in a very clear way. And it will go around the world through an organization called Water Fuller that that builds infrastructure and it and it uh, provides wells uh, in underdeveloped parts of the world. Uh, a gift of $2,700 will actually impact a community, build a well, build the infrastructure there, and we hope to be able to do that maybe even several times over this Christmas. So uh, enjoy that. Think through what God would have you do this Christmas, and uh, we're going to jump into the message in just a second, and then we'll have a chance to sing a little bit afterwards. Thanks for joining us.
me power up above Not a newborn king to see power up above Our finest gifts we bring power up above to 
Hey, I, wanna, I want to, before I jump into the message, just uh, thank you all, uh, people who reached out, people who prayed for us. Um, I apologize for the confusion last week. If you were here, watch the message. When I said that either Deb or I had COVID, we didn't. Um, the deal was this. We had been exposed and had had the tests, and we recorded the message last Saturday morning, um, and we're only going to use it if one or both of us was positive but we didn't get our test results back on Saturday as they had promised. They didn't come till Sunday night, so we showed the video, and I said that one or both of us had it, and we didn't. We're fine, um, but thank you for praying. We appreciate that. You can pray for us anytime you want. That, uh, we, we appreciate that immensely. I want to do one other thing before I jump into the message, too, and that's to, uh, to just uh, give honor to whom honor is due. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Chris and Emily Carter, uh, our um, Connections Minister. They celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary this week, and that's cool. That's a, that's a cool deal. Um, I said something to Chris before the service, and he said, no, don't say anything. You don't need to do that. And I said, I know I don't, but I want to Um, because I I think that we need to celebrate those kinds of things. Um, uh, For all of you who have been married a really long time, thank you. Thank you for the example that you set and uh, for, for just living out that commitment. That's a cool thing. Um, This is a weird Christmas, right? Anybody feeling it this week? Um, Let me just encourage you, be a part of the virtual Christmas Eve service. Come uh, experience Christmas in Coronaville. It's going to be really, really cool. But this Christmas is weird. It's it's weird for Deb and I. After we got our negative tests last Sunday night, when they came in, we got a call from our daughter in Joplin that we were going to visit, and everything had timed right that we were going to be able to go and be there and see our kids at Christmas time. Um, She has covid and uh, she has four kids, and she watches our, one of our other daughters, two kids. So we may celebrate Christmas in February in, um, uh, you know, in Missouri, but before we can get out there, whenever that comes. It's a weird year, right? Um, and so our, our uh, series of messages um, this December have been a little bit different. It's, uh, you know, we're not in Luke 2 maybe in some of the traditional Christmas passages, but I've really loved diving into John chapter 1 and just looking at what John's perspective about the birth of Jesus was all about. Um, I want to read the verses that we've read up to this point. We're going to land on a concept that's in verse 14 of John 1 that, that I think really capsulizes what Christmas is all about. It really puts everything in perspective. So if you've got the app, go ahead and open that up. If you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. It's going to be on screen as well. But this is, this is how John describes the significance of Christmas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, through the Word, all things were made Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him, in the word, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Great news. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, has not overwhelmed it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That was John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself, John the Baptist, wasn't the light. 
He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. I love the way the message um, translates the first part of verse 14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that a great picture? It's this concept that God would leave everything and come and live in us. Um, John says the significance of the birth of the Christ child, the scene in the manger that we celebrate at this time of year, the event that causes this worldwide celebration is all about God coming to live with us here in our world, to live among his creation. Matthew describes the same idea, but he gives a context for his Jewish audience that, that helps them understand. He quotes one of the prophets, a prophet who had written some 800 years before this time. Um, and he said the prophets predicted this thing that, that has just happened, that's, that, that went, the birth of the Christ child. And they predicted that it would be so significant that it would be accompanied by an incredible miracle that a young girl who had never slept with a man would conceive and give birth to this baby. John chapter 1 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel was not going to be the proper name for this baby. They weren't going to call him Manuel or Manny or anything like that. His name would be Jesus. Um, again, Matthew says, because the angel had said, because he'll save the people from their sins. But Emmanuel would describe the nature of this child. That Emmanuel would describe the significance of his birth, that God would come and live in flesh on earth among us. Everybody say, wow. I know, come on, give me a real wow. Everybody say, wow. We have become so accustomed to the Christmas story that we think, oh yeah, Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah, that's what it's all. Think about that for a second. God would leave heaven and come and live among us. That's bigger than a presidential election. Amen? That's bigger than a pandemic. Amen? It's bigger than a vaccine, right? It's bigger than winning $600 million in the lottery, right? Amen. Yeah, I, I didn't, just so you're clear. All right? But it's a wow event. God come to live among us. Um, the, the significance of God coming to live among us 
to being with us, it only makes sense when you understand how lost and how isolated and how broken we are, right? Have you ever had one of those dreams that you wake up in the middle of the light and you have like the cold sweats because your dream was that you walk into a meeting and you discover you're supposed to make a presentation and you got not a clue what that's supposed to be about. Anybody ever had one of those kind of dreams? For me, as a musician, it, the, the dream that I have had before was um, going out to sing and the music starts and not having a clue what the song was or what the lyrics were. Uh, you, you know, maybe your dream is that you walk into a party and you realize that you don't have any clothes on. You know, what, whatever that is, that thing that causes you to go, I am so not in the right place. I'm so lost, so broken. Maybe those, aren't your, maybe those aren't really your nightmares. Maybe your nightmare is that you have said something or done something that has, causing, that has caused broken relationships in your life. You can think back to that time where you said or did that thing and all of a sudden there was this relationship that was broken irreparably. Maybe it was with your spouse. Maybe it was with your kids. Maybe it, was, maybe it was at work. And that in an instant, the choices that you make just blew everything up. That isolation. You were all alone, abandoned. On Sunday night, April 25th, 2003, in the NBA playoffs, something incredible happened. The Portland Trailblazers, Portland Trailblazers were playing the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Morris, Maurice Cheeks, Mo Cheeks, was the coach of the, of the Trailblazers. They were down two games to none. And all of his attention was focused on how they could contain Dirk Nowitzki for the Mavs and, and come back to try and survive this, this playoff game. Because if they went down 3-0, they were going to be in terrible trouble. Um, all of his attention is on the game. 13-year-old Natalie Gilbert had entered a regional talent um, contest for young stars, and she won the right to sing the national anthem before the game. Take a look at what happened. And now to honor America and salute the men and women serving our country with our national anthem, please welcome, as voted by you, the fans, our winner of the Toyota Get the Feeling of a Star promotion, Natalie Gilbert.
the Sporting News interviews, interviewed Mo Cheeks and, asked, and talked about that event. They asked him what possessed him to go and stand with Natalie and to sing with Natalie. He said, I'm a father. Everyone can understand that. Once I saw that, once I saw it, I didn't want her to be standing in the middle of all those people and not know the words. So I just kind of reacted. I don't even know why. You know what we saw on that clip, though? An NBA coach with all kinds of money and power, leaving all of the attention he had focused on the game to come and save a little girl. He humbled himself. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but Mo Cheeks can't sing real well. <laughs> he humbled himself, forgot about everything else, and he came to her rescue. Brings to mind those words from Philippians 2 that Jesus humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant to die for us. What a picture of what Jesus did when he came to be with us. The, that whole concept, that's the, the, today's message, it really is just that one concept that God came to be with us. And, and I, I just want to explore for a little bit what that means, what, what it means for God to leave heaven and be with us. With us means that you're never alone, right? God's not distant. He's beside you. In the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are commanded to bow down to an idol. And if they don't bow down, they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. They say, we can only worship God. We're not going to bow down. And they get thrown into this fiery furnace. The king looks into the furnace to see what he thinks are three dead bodies. And they're walking around with a fourth person. No matter what, God is with us. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even in the fiery furnace, they weren't alone. Understand this, you don't have to make decisions alone. You don't have to face sickness alone. You don't have to face death alone. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, it says, God, God says to his people, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them, because of your enemies. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. With means you're never alone. With means you don't have to perform to be accepted. You have friends or family members that reject you because you don't measure up to their standards. Maybe, maybe you don't wear the right things. Maybe you don't say the right things. Maybe you don't act the right way. Maybe you don't respond to their Facebook posts in the way that they want. You don't like or you don't comment on their stuff. Maybe you don't vote for their candidate. And they communicate that you no longer have value because you've not performed in the way that they expected. Not so with Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, means he's with us even when we don't speak up, even when we're an introvert in a world of extroverts, even when we don't have the right words to say, even when we aren't sure as a follower of Jesus what we're even supposed to do. He's with us. 
being with us means you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect for God to be with you. You're not going to be abandoned when you fail. Sometimes we're paralyzed by our fear of failure. We, we don't take a risk to stand for Jesus. We don't speak up because we think we'll say the wrong thing. And we miss that God came to be with us, to live among us, even at our worst. Even when we disappoint, even when we're flawed, even when we sin, God is with us. Like Mo Cheeks, God with us means that there's someone there to come to your rescue when you fail, to stand beside you, to walk with you through that trial. God with us means you're not, you don't have to be in control. Control is such an interesting thing in our particular culture. Uh, I, I think that this concept of being with God as it relates to control is just so interesting. Some of us are happy if, if somebody else controls every aspect of our life. We want them to lead. We want to follow. We don't have to. We don't really want to make decisions. We, we're content to just do that, Right? Others of us, not quite the case, right? We want to be in control. We want to be the one who makes the decisions. We want to be in charge. We want everybody else to follow us. We want, we want to determine how we spend our money, how we spend our time, what we do with our life. You know what God with us means? It means neither one of those uh, ends of the spectrum are true. We partner with Jesus, God with us. He leads and we follow, but we walk with him, not as a deaf and dumb robot, but with him one step at a time. We give control to Jesus when we make him Lord of our life, and we do follow him at every step, but we partner with him as we walk through life until we leave this earth. With him means that we walk together, not us out in front, but, but with him through life. God with us means that we don't have to have all the right answers either. If there's anything that we've learned over the last nine months, it's that our world is less certain than we ever imagined, right? Um, things happen that we don't have any control over that we don't even have enough information to be able to make the right decisions about. Is it right or wrong to meet at church in person in these times? Is it right or wrong to get the vaccine? Is it right or wrong to go spend Christmas with my extended family? Is it right or wrong to date this person or buy this house or to extend my credit or to go get a COVID test? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know I don't have to make any of those decisions solely on my own wisdom and on my own strength. Because Jesus came to walk with me through these times. Jesus became Emmanuel so that it wasn't all dependent on me to make those decisions or on you. God with us means that we don't have to fear judgment. So many people live their lives cowering in fear of God. 
Now, I'm, I'm not talking about a healthy fear that recognizes that God is the, is the creator of the universe, that God is holy and righteous, and we need to fear him because of his nature. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this, uh, an unhealthy fear that, that if I step out of line, if I make a mistake, that God is there ready to squash me like a bug in that moment. Um, do you realize that Jesus came to earth in a manger, born as a baby? In that baby's hand was not a big stick or a hand grenade or an Uzi. He came as an innocent, gentle child to walk with us through life. He came to save us, to draw us back to the Father. Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God with us means that we don't need to fear judgment. God with us means that we don't have to wander around lost and confused. One of my favorite um, incidents in the life of Jesus is when he begins to teach, he's done miracles, people have begun to flock to him, and he begins to teach very hard, difficult concepts. In John 6, um, uh, people start to, to leave Jesus because of his teaching. And, and John records it this way, he says, from, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed Jesus. You don't want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. In my life, when I have faced the greatest crisis, the comfort that I have had from this scripture is, where, where do I go in the midst of this? Except to God, to his people, to church, to the body, to my life group. Where else can we go to find hope in those things? Where do we turn when we're lost and confused? We go to the one who is with us. With means that God understands every struggle that we experience in this life. I wish I could count the number of times that I've heard people say, God just doesn't understand what I'm going through. He doesn't understand what it's like to be rejected. He doesn't understand what it's like to feel the pain that I feel. He doesn't understand what it's like to watch someone that he loves die. When I hear someone say that, I have to try and figure out in that moment whether I need to respond really gently or whether I need to slap him upside the head, right? I want to say, God doesn't understand no, you don't understand God. And the writer of Hebrews says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to em empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Hear this, man, walk away with this. No matter what you're going through, God understands every temptation, Every adversity we face, every struggle, every moment of isolation, every disappointment, God understands. Do you understand that Jesus, as he grew up and went to the cross, experienced all of that and more? On the cross, Matthew, 20, Matthew records in, in 
27, chapter 27, uh, Jesus is on the cross, and it says this, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why have you walked away from me? Why are you no longer with me? You know what the answer to that is? It's because Jesus came to be with us. God knows what you're going through. He aches for the perfection that he created to be restored. In, in 1983, Walter Tevis published a novel that was recently made into a miniseries on Netflix called The Queen's Gambit. If you know the story, the novel's about uh, a young girl named Beth Harmon who's sent to a, an orphanage um, after, her, after her mother takes her own life. At eight years old, Beth Harmon is wholly unremarkable until she almost accidentally sees a custodian playing chess and nearly forces him to teach her how to play chess. She is a prodigy, and by the time she's 16 years old, she's playing for the United States National Championship. The thing about Beth Harmon is, though, that she learned very young to, to um, deaden her senses with drugs and with alcohol, and it opened up the world of chess to her, but it alienated her from the rest of the world. While she has become a master at chess, her personal life has become a total wreck. The only friends that she has have been with chess nerds, and, and she has blown up all of those relationships. She's abused those people. She's taken advantage of them. She's destroyed those relationships. She is given the opportunity to play for the world championships against the world champion in, in uh, chess but her impulsiveness, her arrogance, and her drug dependence leave her alone and without the financial resources to make the trip to Russia to play. Her only friend from the orphanage comes to her when the custodian who taught her how to play chess dies. Beth Harmon feels utterly alone. She ultimately tells her friend Jolene about her plight, and Jolene at great cost to herself, takes money that she has earned and saved and pays the way for Beth Harmon to get to Russia. She travels to Russia. She wins each match in the championship series and eventually faces the world champion. After several hours in their match, they're playing each other fairly evenly, but you can tell that the, that the master, that the champion, um, is nervous about the state of the game. And so he calls for an adjournment so that they can sleep overnight and the game can be resumed the next day. As they go back to their hotel that night, Beth Harmon sees that master, the grand champion of the world, sees another former master champion coaching him on how to play the game, playing through the game and given the options that, that Harmon has to win the game. And Beth Harmon realizes that she is all alone. Something incredible happens, though. The friends that she has pushed away, that she has alienated, that, that she has turned her back on, make a phone call from New York to Russia, 
and they say, we're here and we're watching the game. We're, we're, we're seeing the condition of the board and we figured out every strategy that the, that the champion might take and here's how you can combat it. In just a very short period of time, she, she thinks through all those possibilities and goes on to play the match. The friends that she rejected, that she abused, that she pushed away, though thousands of miles away, are with her. Beth Harmon's story, Natalie Gilbert's story, they are your story. They are my story. We have wrecked relationships. We have stood humiliated in front of the world. We have broken our lives. And in that brokenness, Emmanuel, God, come with us to live among us. In the wreck, God has placed himself, his, himself in our life. In that isolation that we've experienced, God is with us. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I will ask the Father. He'll give you another advocate, uh, his Holy Spirit, to help you and get this, and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Listen to what Jesus says then. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will be with you. As Jesus stood ready to leave the earth after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, in his final words to his disciples, do you know what he said? Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Emmanuel, God is with us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the truth that John gave us. That you would come and live among us. That you would make your home in our neighborhood. That you would live in our houses, in our families, in our workplaces. God, we thank you that Jesus came to save us, to rescue us, and that we can trust him, and we can trust you. In his name we pray. Amen. What a special time of year. What a special uh, service, Rick. Thank you so much for your message and, and, uh, and, and the music. Isn't it incredible? You know, um, I, I have to be honest with you, I, I wait almost all year to get into what I call the Christmas spirit. So when I, I just feel like relaxed, and I just feel like it's ready, and it's, and it's exciting to come. And so sometimes it's tough, though, with all the things going on, right? All the shopping, all the, all the hustle and bustle, and this year is, is uh, exceptionally strange uh, with all that's gone on. And, and I have to tell you, I just love the service today and, and the music, and I was thinking about What's my favorite? What's my favorite Christmas song? And about two days before I was asked to uh, lead communion, um, 
I was, um, I was thinking about that very issue, and I came up with, without much time to think it over or even question it, my favorite Christmas song is Amazing Grace. You see, when I think about Christmas, there's a lot of what that goes on in Christmas. It's the sparkle of the trees and the twinkle in the little kids' eyes. It's the, it's the amazement of the presents. It's that time long ago in a, in a manger far away where the, where the God of the universe came as a, as a small child, defenseless, came into this world to be with us. The first and most original gift, the most amazing gift of all. I, I just wonder at that. I'm so amazed at what a great and exciting time it is. And so I I would hope all of you, as you as you think about the what's of Christmas, what needs to be done, and what a sparkly thing it'll be tonight when we see all those lights, I hope you remember the why. The what is one thing, but the why, why did it happen? It, oh, thank God. Thank God it happened. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. That's the gift, original gift it was. I'm so grateful for that. So I'd invite you to, if you have your cup with you, if you don't, there's more on the back. But I'd invite you to take that, as we peel off that top cover, there's a wafer there. And I'm reminded in, in Matthew how he recounted that evening. He said, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks... He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins amazing enough the passage that we often don't completely talk about during communion is what's said next Jesus said I tell you I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink from it new with you in my Father's kingdom. What a promise. What a gift. Merry Christmas.
hope you have a great week, a great Christmas. Don't forget, tonight starts the light show, and Thursday is the Christmas Eve service. We'll see you next week.